Hello and welcome to the Bountiful Life Podcast. I'm Charlene Miner. I'm Carla Hansen. And I'm Sharon Eubank. It's good to be with you today. Today we've been talking about or we've been thinking a lot about unity and we wanted to kind of bring this subject up. Why is it important? Why do we keep trying to achieve it? And what can we accomplish when we are unified? And what gets in the way of unity? Correct. 2020 with the pandemic brought a lot of disunification, if that's a word. Is that a word? I think so. I, it anyway, is now. It is now. Anyway, we we uh, we were dis, disunified. We were ununified in our communities and in our cultures and in our societies. And there's been a big push to become unified again. Sharon, why do you think unity is so difficult to achieve? Well, let's let's talk about what is unity first. It's interesting. I think people often think that unity is is sameness, that I, I'll be unified with you as soon as you see things the way I see them, and then we can be unified. <laughs> but the greatest examples of unity that I have seen are when people are able to maintain their distinct viewpoints, but give enough space in the middle for us to find common ground that we all care about. And I'm thinking about I'm thinking about humanitarian situations where people have have experienced violence, there's trauma, people don't agree over politics or or religion or cultures or tribes. And so there's there's a lot of stress according to those identities. But f- when people are able to overcome those, they say, "All right, I understand you and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you want something good. I'm going to say that I want something good. What can we do together even though we don't agree?" What can we agree on and let's start from even the smallest point? We want bo- both of our kids, we want to go to school. What can we each do to, to make sure that school is available for both of our kids? And then see if you can build from there. Have, have you seen any specific examples that you can talk about? It's not the perfect example, but I was thinking about um, our partner Jesuit Refugee Services and they had, they had an office that was providing services in Italy. And most of their clients were, were Muslim families. When one of the Muslim dads who had brought his child in for some health care said, of all the places that I can be, I feel safest in this Catholic compound. And I thought that was a real compliment to them because they don't agree according to their faith. And they have different even political persuasions, but they felt safest when they were working together on that little boy's health care. So I thought that was a good example. I love that example because I see that a lot in the emergency department where, you know, it might be real chaotic. It might be busy with 20 people in the waiting room. But as soon as we get that critical patient, especially if that critical patient is a pediatric patient or a child, everyone comes together for the good of that one child. And your example goes right along with it. And it's interesting, like, in that situation, the last person you want putting in the peripheral IV is me, right? That's not my specialty. That's not what I do best. And the first person that you want is the phlebotomist that's been there for 20 years, who's put in IVs all day, every day. And, and then if you can get someone from the neonatal unit, then you're even better off, right? So we all bring our own our own specialty to that one critical patient. You have to have someone that's recording. I was in a code the other day and there was one of the techs there who was so great at just keeping time. 
And that's a crucial part. And he was so dedicated to that one task that that one thing actually helped unify the whole team. So if everyone just does their job, Carla, when have you seen it in your work? And Carla, I want you to tell this because I'm looking to the therapist on staff to be able to tell me, how do I get through my Thanksgiving dinner with my family? <laughs> well, but your family's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's right. Perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's establish that piece first, right? All of our families, uh, all of our families yeah. are perfect, and that's the good part of us. Um, obviously, there's a little sarcasm going on there because there is no such thing as perfection in families, in communities, in business, in anything. We just It just doesn't exist. Uh, because we're all really imperfect people trying to do our best. And the reason why we want it done a certain way is because we believe in what we believe in. We like what we like to do. We like our opinions. We like our thoughts. Um, and we think that if we like them, that probably everyone else would like them too. That if it's good for me, it's probably good for everyone else too. And when they when they disagree with our thoughts, when it's like, wait, that's that's not how we do it, or that's not, you know, your, your ideas, I don't jive with mine. So... In that situation, I feel like we kind of, um, instead of seeing them as a person, we see them as their thought, or we see them as something rather than the individual and the person that they are. And if you can see someone as not a person, you can push them aside. You can disagree with them and you can think you're not important. I don't have to agree with you because you're not a person to me anymore. And if and so our our struggle is when you don't agree with me or when you do something that I really bugs me, you know, if we're talking about our Thanksgiving dinner, right? Where everyone has their own ways of doing things and well, I don't like how you're doing it and it tastes better if you do it this way or if we'll just organize this way. We get to still see them as someone that's got value in their in their opinions and their and their processes and they're doing it for a reason. If if they don't want to change it, that's okay. We just still get to go along with them, see them as as an individual and as a person. And I think um Every organization has it has problems. I work in a place that, um, amongst our you know for a business, we we do have a common goal. Our common goal is to get these people from one end of this treatment to the other end, and a lot of us have we come from lots of different backgrounds, and there's a lot of different ways to do it, and I get in my places where I get a little insecure, right? When someone does it differently, then I'm thinking, no, that's not right. I think, I think, I, and then I, I kind of get down on myself, but really what I'm not, I'm not really getting down on me, I'm getting down on them. I want them to change so I feel better, right? If they do it my way, then I don't have to struggle anymore because then I'll be comfortable again. And, and then taking that step back and going, well, my way doesn't always have to work and I can be a little uncomfortable it's okay to be uncomfortable. That's not a problem. And then I can maybe allow myself to learn from them or say, well, that's one way I'm not going to do it. Wait, that's that's a great thing that I just learned. But I don't make them a just a an object. I make them still a person who has their value, who who is equal, completely equal to me in value regardless of what they believe and what they how they do things and that's a big thing on that you know what what truly is our value well it's the same as everybody else and I get to keep that that thought in my head all the time so that even when I don't agree with them they are equal of value to me 
no matter what they do. Okay, that helps me because you've taught me two things. One of them is people are more than just one thing. And the other thing is we all have equal value. Right. And, and how can we bring all of, so whatever that equal value is, right? So, so you can't say that in a stressful situation like this code that I'm more important that the phlo- than the phlebotomist or the phlebotomist is more important than the nurse or the nurse is more important than the tech that's doing the CPR. You have to esteem everyone as important including the person that cleans up after the whole yes. debacle, you know? So so how do we do that in our communities? And, and maybe even more importantly, how do we do that as we gather Israel, as we bring others to Jesus Christ? I was thinking about Elder Bednar's talk in the October 2023 conference where he just thanked people he thanked people that often feel invisible. Uh, and he, he went on to mention a lot of different people. And you talk about the people who might clean up an OR after you know something has happened. And they're the invisible side of that. And they often don't get acknowledged. And I think just the fact that if I truly believe what Carla said, we all are the same value, that I would see the work that you're doing and I would value it enough to thank you or to say something to you. I, I think for the invisible people on the side of the invisible work, they need that. They need that acknowledgement. And it's, it's not always something that I'm, my eyes are open enough to give. Yeah, people need to realize it's, it's an entire team effort. Well, and it's also with this equal piece, if we don't understand that we have the same value as everybody else, we can easily get threatened by other people's ideas or thoughts or ways they're doing it. So I have to make sure that I take care of myself because if I don't you know, if I back down, then that means that I've lost something. That means I'm not, you know, I've, I, I can't let, it, sometimes it's a win-lose thing. It's a, it's a, I'm right or you're right. And we know there's a saying that's often said in my community is you can either be right or you can be in a relationship. <laughs> it's really hard to be both. <laughs> oh, I love that. Think about that with marriages. Think about yes. that with teenagers. Think about really like that's so important i think it's yeah when you look at how broad that is it's such a simple little statement but if you're always working to be right you're always going to be distancing yourself from people who could truly be in your life that could be valuable to you and that could teach you stuff or just be your friend or just be the side it doesn't have to be a I, this is what i gained from you it's just hey we're we're doing this together right. and if I always have to be right, then I am going to be distancing myself from people that I can, that, for no reason, right. except for needing to be right. And that's where pride comes in and the competition, right? Yeah. yeah. Wondering, it's, President Benson mentioned it in his talk, or no, it was C.S. Lewis that said that pride is not having something, but having more of it than the next person. Mm-hmm. Something. Yep. Then we go back to abundance that we talked about in our last time. What does abundance mean? Is having enough of what we need and what we want and letting other people have their abundance. Or helping them well. have the helping abundance. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, you know, there's all those examples. You know, Paul talks about the example of the body. You know, the heart wants to be the toe or the toe doesn't feel important because it's not acknowledged, yeah. that, you know. And so you look at that in our in our families, in our work organizations in our communities that what a gift diversity is 
What a gift. I am glad not everyone wants to be a therapist. Because could you imagine a world with a billion therapists? You know, we wouldn't get anything done. We wouldn't have innovation. We'd be talking, we would, about we'd be talking all the time. But we'd yeah. be so healthy. But we would be so, yeah. Doing this work. <laughs> or if we, you know, if we all had people, if all we had was scientists, you know, great, we'd come up with these different things, but there would be no humanity to it. There's just, well, I just generalize something that's right, not right. true. Scientists have humanity. So I, right. I, I want to make sure I not stereotyping anything in any way. Uh, but there's so, it's so important for us to just, everything has a place. Yeah. Even like you say, the people that clean up after those of us that make the mess. What a, you know, when the, when the garbage people are on strike, what happens to a community? Right. Really important to acknowledge every level of diversity right. and and again, go back to their value. Yeah. I'm so grateful that you're doing what you're doing. Even people that aren't doing anything, they still have value, right? right? The people that we might look down on because why aren't you pulling your weight? Why aren't you doing? We don't know what's going on with them, right. but their value is still the same. And maybe they'll ch maybe they'll want to do something differently tomorrow. But then we might be losing out on something might by not seeing their value in the place that they are right now, right. because we've taken away a little piece of us. So, so I think it's really great to talk about unity, but as we wrap up today, um, I think it would be really important to just think in our own lives as, as we've listened, as we've had thoughts, how can I be a better unifier of those around me and those that I work with and those that I live with, those children that are under my care, whether they're mine or a neighbor's or a sister's or a brother's, um, I think that would be a great challenge to leave with today. I, in a, in a humanitarian setting where a lot of conflict has taken place and you're trying to build the society back up, so they've, everybody's gone to their corners, there's been violence, there's, there's activities that we, can, that we try to sponsor that, that kind of build unity. One of them is sports. People are mostly interested in sports, and you can't play sports without observing the rules. And so one of the most effective things I've seen is to build soccer teams or football teams out of people from different tribes or different you know, locations, but then they learn to work together as a team just for the enjoyment of the sports. And I think music is another one. You cannot create a choir from people. I mean, you sing in the Tabernacle Choir, and people come from all kinds of backgrounds, but they voluntarily bend their will to be able to make something beautiful out of that. And I think service is another one. We've talked a little bit about service. When people will get out into the community and do something next to somebody that they never have met. My, my congregation just recently partnered with the mosque to put kits together for the Day of Dignity during Ramadan. And I stood for 45 minutes next to a woman that I would have never met, and we just chatted about our families. That kind of notice or bonding is good for society. It weaves social fabric back together. And after the pandemic, you said, we, we lost some of our social fabric. It, the stress of it tore holes in our social fabric. And I'm looking for activities on ways to build things back together. And sports, music, and service are three obvious ones, and I know there are others. Right, Can I, I'll, I'll say one example uh, from the Tabernacle Choir. There, um, one of my dear friends is going to be leaving choir this, this month, and she came from New York City. She's a fabulous singer and a fabulous, I mean, she could be a soloist, and, and I'm not a soloist, you both know. I'm not a soloist, 
I love to sing with 360 of my favorite friends, but I would never want to sing a solo anywhere, anytime. And, uh, and she came into the choir and, and she obviously is a soloist and very well trained. And there are a lot of people around me that could be soloists, but in order to sing with the choir, in order to contribute to that beauty, you have to bend your will. You have to bend your own ego, maybe I should say, because you've got to listen louder than you sing as, as Mac Wilberg often says, and you have to try to, the goal is to blend with others around you and not jump out of the fabric. Well, I think you can take that and almost, you know, from the sports to the music, to dance, to, you know, what are, what are the favorite parts when you go to a dance production or something, the favorite parts usually aren't the individual, you know, the, the one dancer that's great and they do their solo dance and they do all that. What you love is when the rest of the group comes in, they practice together, they've got all the things together, they have different body sizes, they have different all these different things, and they're right on, and they're together because they have the same thing. So mm -hmm. I think there's so many examples we can use of the power of, of being one in a group and, and how, much, how much that takes. And I, I think it's when we look at those things, we have those great examples and we can kind of back up when we can look at it. How do, we, how do we take that into our family systems? How do we take that into our, our home congregations? How do we take that into the work that we do? Because there's always going to be people to bug us. <laughs> I don't care who we are, mm -hmm. how high-minded we are, how celestial, how advanced we are. There's always going to be people to bug us. And we just want to, and we think, well, if that person weren't in this group, we would probably do just fine. And sometimes there are people that consistently want to bring out, bring out the, you know, they, they don't want to show it for everybody else. They're going to have those opinions. They're going to, or their goal is to kind of create havoc sometimes because that's just where they are right now. So those are when our challenges come in. How do we still create that, that unity when there's those that really have no desire to? And, and there's, the uh, thought I'll probably use this over and over because I think it's so important to remember is our job is to put in the effort and then we let go of the outcome. We're responsible for effort. We are not responsible for outcome. And if we can let go of that desire to, well, I did this and we did this and still this is happening. So I guess I just need to leave or I need to give it up or I need to, you know, get, more aggressive, whatever we think we're going to do, our part is to just continually put in the effort. Our part is continually try to be in our place that's functional, that's, that's bigger, you know, that gives that compassion and that openness to other people, even if our insides are going crazy, you know, whatever it is. But that's where we, that's what our part is. And then if things still don't work out, if nobody changes, if nothing really changes in the organization, the, we've done our part because we can't we cannot affect we cannot be responsible for the outcome no matter what we do we have to let go of that outcome say okay i did as much as i could and, and hopefully i'm a little better person because of it but in the end i can't make somebody do anything and i can't control that i think you're right i think uh, the effort is the most important but i'm amazed i and i am amazed how one person's effort can 
can can act like yeast in the community. So I'm thinking about in my neighborhood, uh, the, the little Catholic uh, branch, is they want to rebuild their, their building. It's old and the roof is falling apart. And our state president said, we should get involved in that. And they're like, no, they're the Catholic. We're not going to get involved in their, their building project. We have our own things that we're going to worry about. But he was very persistent and said, you know, there are neighbors and they will need to put on a new roof and let's, let's fundraise for them. They are, they're having all these spaghetti dinners. Let's help them. And it was interesting to watch how the, the tone softened. And enough people said, absolutely, we, we should do that. It created something that wasn't there before just by the persistent effort of this state president. And I firmly believe that one person can change the direction of an organization or a meeting or something. Um, <clears throat> we, we can never underestimate what our little effort or big effort, whatever that is. When I, I, all the time in treatment, you know, people say, oh, I've messed up my kids. Oh, my, you know, this relationship, I'm, you know, I was all these years of whatever I've been doing. And continually, it's your change will make a difference. Might be down the road a little bit, it might not happen right away, but you changing, you going back to that system, you being who you are, continually holding to who you are and what's important. Other people will start to say, oh, what it worked before, I could get her to do this, or I'm used to her doing this, or I'm, that's not working anymore. Little changes, it might, it's usually not conscious. A lot of these things aren't conscious, but those slow changes, happen because of our effort, that little bit of effort. And again, even we can't go in saying, well, I'm going to change and I'll see everybody else change. Nope. Hopefully that happens. If it doesn't, that's okay because we're still ones that are making that change and we're, we're receiving our growth. But it is amazing. It's when one person puts forth an effort or makes some changes, there are change happens around us. And it's beautiful and it you know, one person can make a big difference. Yes, and as I heard from both of you, like that the you can't focus on the outcome, but as long as you have a common goal that and so to keep that goal in perspective I think is the important thing, whether it's a new roof, whether it's helping a sick child, whether it's um gathering Israel, what mm. whatever it is, um keep the goal in mind and keep the relationships and keep your specialized keep your training there like my friend in the choir but realize that the goal is not to be the star it's the goal and sometimes we have to step up and do more sometimes. we have to be the star sometimes but that's not the goal that's not the goal. the goal is is this needed right now yeah i'll step up i'll do it is it not needed right now okay i'll get in the background and do whatever's needed it's it's not about it's it's really that valuing yourself enough that you can let other people be what they are. Right, and do their own, Yeah, do their specialty. Yep. We've so enjoyed talking about unity today and hope that we have inspired or brought some things to your mind that, that we can all do to help unify our families, our communities, and those people around us. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount the power of Jesus Christ, who was so far beyond us when he lived on the earth, but he sought unity with us. And I think when we're in that same space trying to find some unity in a, in a discordant relationship, we can turn to him. He has experience and he has power that he'll lend to us as we seek unity. I think for peacemakers, he's always interested in helping them. Right. 
There's a song of one of our, there's a line of one of the songs that we sing that's Jesus loves to save. Oh. And as we mm. turn to him, he loves to save. He loves to save relationships. He loves to save people. And as we turn our hearts to him, I know that we can become more unified. Thanks for being with us today. We look forward to being with you next time. I'm Charlene Miner. I'm Carla Hansen. And I'm Sharon Eubank. <laughs>